Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. I intend to rule with respect. So, the Book of Boba Fett starts off where we have a Boba Fett in a back-to-tank as we're seeing the inside of Jabba's palace. He's going through memories and flashbacks of his time as a child uh, and then to his time in the Sarlacc pit. Uh, we kind of see how he gets out of that and how he was rescued to a degree by some Tuscans. They kind of imprisoned him in a bit of a camp where he had to fend for himself a little bit and prove his worth. Uh, in that same vein, we also flash back to real time where he's now taken over Jabba's palace. He's working with Fennec. Uh, and the two of them are having people come by and pay their respects to the new leader of Mos Espa. However, he has a bit of a, a, a shady situation with uh, the mayor's representative who kind of wants him to pay a little bit more respect and that the mayor maybe isn't on the up and up. Uh, we see Boba and Fennec uh, go into town uh, and everyone there is very respectful and welcoming until they're jumped on their way out of, out of town after leaving a club uh, where Boba was essentially given an entire helmet full of money uh they they lose that uh and uh whatnot uh they're jumped outside by kind of these armed uh bandits of whatnot fennec is able to capture one uh boba is injured and goes back to the back to tank uh where he goes back into his fugue state uh where he's kind of sleeping and dreaming back to his time in the tuscan camp where he was rescued uh and kind of we see a little bit more time of which he rescued a child uh, Tuscan, and then that Tuscan uh, kind of takes him out to be kind of a slave and dig for water for him. And then they come across this giant beast. Boba wrangles it, and uh, then they come back to camp. And the little boy is able to look like a hero for bringing back the head of the beast. Uh, and we don't know necessarily what he's told the people, uh, but uh, some of the elders certainly know the truth, and they respect Boba a lot more for saving this young child from a beast and also being able to wrangle this incredible desert beast uh, and uh, rip its head off in the end. That's the pilot episode of The Book of Boba Fett, which we've been waiting for for pretty much exactly a year when this show was announced at the end of, of Mando season two. Uh, so with that in mind, we'll say happy holidays. Uh, welcome back to Recorder 66 and welcome back to the age of new Star Wars, which it feels like we haven't been inside for a very, very long time. So um, this is kind of a unique recording of our show because it is the freshest Star Wars take we will ever have an opportunity to present. Like I finished watching this episode an hour ago. We're recording in the morning, which is unusual. Um, and so this is going to be a, a little bit aformatic. We're just going to have an open discussion about how we feel and how we feel other people may feel about this first installment of the Book of Boba Fett. Um, Ross, excellent recap. Thank you very much. How do we feel this measures up to expectations uh, slash ex expectations? Like, yeah. Uh, how do you feel about uh, what you thought ahead of time and what you feel now? Uh, it really hit all the the beats that I was hoping for and a little bit more. Uh, all the things that they've been leading up about kind of you're going to see a lot of backstory and they give you like this episode is more backstory than current story. It's and like so half and half. I'm OK with that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's kind of what I was expecting. You're able to see Boba's then and now. Uh, we're clearly seeing a character change. Uh, they don't shy away from the prequels, which is something I was worried about. They literally give it to you in the first like two seconds of the episode. 
so they're showing that, okay, this is a full character study, and this is the, the character's entire arc that we're going to get to know, which I think was really, really important. Uh, and so that got me really excited right out of the gate. Uh, and then just overall, uh, I mean, I wasn't expecting this to be uh, the kind of show that was going to like blow your socks off the same way that some of um, The Mandalorian has recently. But I thought that the, in particular, it was a really good start off and a very strong pilot. And you can never expect too, too much from a pilot. And I think it really knocked it out of the park from my expectations. What about you? Yeah, I think so, too. And I think what you said about about how it wasn't going to blow your mind quite the same as as Mando did makes sense because we're not exactly building a whole new world the way we did with Mando. Yes, the Mandalorian exists in the pre-existing Star Wars universe and it is supposed to kind of imbue the essence of Star Wars, in particular the original trilogy of Star Wars that we've already seen. But this is starting to exist in Mando's world of Star Wars. Um, I mean, obviously, because it's the same guy who we saw in season two. Um, but also, at the same time, it looked really fresh. Here we start off in, in Jabba's Palace, which is familiar territory. We see parts of Tatooine, which are familiar, and other parts which are really interesting. Like, without jumping ahead too, too much, but we we see the Cantina Band in another establishment. establishment. They're kind of, like, upgraded now to a bit of a classier joint. Um, and well, so this is what Star Wars does really well, is showing you the full gamut. Yeah, I thought that was fun, because I don't know which uh, member of the modal nodes, or whether it's also, like, because uh, uh, there's a, a Bith who's the part of the, all the modal nodes are bits. Uh, and there's one who's also part of Jabba's band. And then there's also Max Rebo who looks like fatter and he's part of, who's the band leader of, of Jabba's. So I thought that right. was cool. And everybody's been kind of curious to know if, oh, is he going to come back? And he looked as eighties as ever with like his paper mache sides. It was just terribly perfect. Yeah. So I want to talk about, about the flashbacks maybe more than anything. And so really uh, satisfyingly, we we open on not the 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 Mandalorian gauntlet busting through the sand to to uh, quote Patton Oswalt um, that comes later, but in fact we actually get to see Boba in a stupor in the intestines of the Sarlacc, which is pretty cool. And he looks over and he sees a stormtrooper there, and the stormtrooper is maybe dead, and he uh, uses some of his gear, of course, to blast his way out, and then. Yes, he crawls to freedom, but very quickly, his gear is raided by Jawas. So we know that the Jawas uh, were the the intermediary between Boba Fett and uh, and Timothy Oliphant having the the gear. I don't think we realized it happened so immediately. Like he, as soon as he gets out of the Sarlacc, he loses that that uniform and he has to. Fend That's for what himself. I expected. He uh, he looks older as Boba circa the era of Return of the Jedi than I would have expected. I don't, I think it's only, I guess, five years between uh, Return of the Jedi and the Mandalorian timeline, so that's not so um, unusual. But I guess before we saw Tamora Morrison as Boba Fett, I always pictured the Jango Fett-looking guy underneath that that uniform. And so in this case, he is bald, and he is quite gruff-looking, and he's you know, uh, more of a beefcake, I think, than he was when he was lean mm -hmm. in Attack of the Clones. Um, it doesn't so much matter. He trimmed down for this show, but yeah. essentially his body type is the same as Mando timeline Boba. Yeah, I mean, he has trimmed down a bit, and he does have, like, he, he looks pretty decent, uh, like, shirtless in that regard. He doesn't look, like, heavy by any means. No, no. But he doesn't look lean. Uh, and so, overall, 
you just have to kind of, I guess, put it past the fact sure. that he, he looks a little older. But one thing they do a really good job of is they're showing like that stormtrooper appears to be long dead because there appears to be some form of gas in the stomach of the Sarlacc because it doesn't look like he's down there for long and he's he's being digested in a yes. way and he needs to like get oxygen. Uh, and and so there's there's some form of issue going on down there before he, he blasts his way through. And that's and he's he's left like even wearing his helmet. He's left with all these scars over him and he needs to like take back to baths constantly to continue his healing process, even like five years later. Right. So I think you just hit on something really interesting because I, I briefly went into the Reddit discussion discussion thread on, on the television subreddit and like by and large the opinion is is pretty middling like people are either quite dissatisfied or found this episode rather boring and you know as you said in your recap it's a pilot some things have to be established but i did not find this episode boring one of the nitpicks no. was that there should not be a stormtrooper down there because there are no stormtroopers on the barge in the opening sequence of Return of the Jedi. And I couldn't tell you whether or not that was true, but the fact that you think the Stormtrooper may have been down there for longer than that lends itself to that explanation. Yes, the Stormtrooper's helmet was slightly decayed. Yes. The helmet was decayed. Boba's gear is not decayed. Now, it is made of Beskar, so that does make a difference. Mm -hmm. um, but no, there was no Stormtrooper on that barge, but there are plenty of Stormtroopers on Tatooine. Absolutely. And so I don't, I don't have an issue with that at all. What do you say to people who found this episode kind of boring? Not to get into the negative too, too much, but I, I would, I don't, I don't think it was boring, but it's not like there was anything in it that like, I can't believe I finally got to see. You're expecting too much yeah. because that's the thing. This, what I said before about not expecting the same from the Mandalorian, it's because this is what I would have expected from the Mandalorian pilot. And it's a lot like the Mandalorian pilot. And it's a lot like the second episode of the Mandalorian. No, it doesn't have like a Grogu reveal, mm -hmm. but it is a very similar type show. And this is a pilot. Yes, we've seen this character and it is a spinoff, but that isn't a bad thing. I don't see that as something that should be taken away from it. I still think that this show makes you want more. And we're going to get those later episodes of Mandalorian comparables with later episodes of this show. There were like the last few episodes of season one of Mandalorian were probably the best two episodes, the last two episodes. In my opinion, I think that like there was other phenomenal ones, uh, but of season one, the last two were probably the best two. Right. Uh, and I expect that'll probably be the case with Book of Boba Fett. I expect it's going to continue to build, but we need a foundation and this episode didn't have much dialogue and I don't expect there to be a ton of dialogue, but I expect them also to want to get as much background story out of the way as possible. Uh, I shouldn't say out of the way, but this particular side of the story is very, um, I need to know it. Like that's just how everybody's consuming like this part of the story. Like I just, yeah. I need to understand, you can't leave me not, not knowing what happened to Boba in this area. But I believe we're going to get time like flashbacks to between five and six. Oh, that'd be great. And I think we're going to be getting different time points that are going to be far less. Um, okay, let me get through this. Mm -hmm. Okay, let me see. I, and so it will open our minds a little bit more to, oh, my God, what's coming next? As opposed to, okay, this is kind of exactly what I've been expecting for like... 40 years, 
this is this is what makes sense. Yep. Uh, and like, but if they had done it any differently, people would be complaining about that even more. Well, exactly. So it doesn't have to be this this big consequential arc because I think that's what we're used to with Star Wars, where like every little detail is something that kind of recalibrates, recontextualizes your entire understanding of the galaxy far, far away because we're in. Uh, constant mystery-solving mode with Star Wars. And I think we need to train ourselves away from that and accept that something like the Book of Boba Fett is and always was supposed to be detailing, just like coloring in backgrounds. And also, it is the ultimate form of fan service because one of the top dogs at Star Wars is Jon Favreau. As we've discussed, he's clearly a, a Boba Fett superhead and he, and he wanted to make this show. And that's another thing that we're going to have to be okay with because... Ultimately, it gets us more Star Wars. It's a little uh, a lily pad between bigger, more consequential installments of Star Wars. And also, it happens to be pretty fun to watch. Like, you didn't buy a ticket for this. It's exciting. Now, one thing yeah. I think is, is a more justified criticism uh, is that this pilot does not seem to demonstrate that Boba is as ruthless as he's suggested to be in the original trilogy the whole i intend to rule with respect rather than than fear is a good line and certainly it's a it's a good ethos if you're an ethical person but boba's got like empathy for child tuscans now like he does seem to be kind of a softy no i would totally agree yeah and there needs to be some element of okay why and we, I think we will see that because there's going to be so many flashbacks. And so I'm expecting something, uh, a, a revelation. And uh, I guess maybe this is a good opportunity to fill some people in on uh, some Bad Batch stuff or some additional context. And so people who didn't watch the Bad Batch uh, and don't intend to, but would like to know some additional context from that. Uh, this is a spoiler for it, uh, or at least for season one. Uh, and one of the main characters in Bad Batch is a little girl named Omega, and she is a female clone. She is a member of this the Bad Batch, which is a special task force of clones. And ultimately, in the end of season one of Bad Batch, uh, Topoka City, which is the main cloning facility and capital of Kamino, is destroyed. Uh, the Bad Batch, including Omega, are mercenaries often well not mercenaries but good guy mercenaries who maybe are going to join the rebellion or are going to do some like underground sort of work um but they're completely separated from the empire uh omega is this very kind and seemingly good smart uh perfect clone uh but she is revealed to be uh, an unaltered other than her her gender um clone of Django Fett yeah. and she is the omega to Boba's alpha so Boba Fett's name was initially alpha before he was adopted as the child uh of Django because he was only promised one unaltered clone mm -hmm. and so the Kaminoans made another unaltered clone but made it altered in just one way and kept it for themselves and so Boba and Django sorry Boba and Omega are the two closest uh, DNA replicants to Django, who is the origin of the clone army. Uh, and so that makes an interesting angle. The reason why I bring this up is because it also could lend credit to Boba having family. Yes. Uh, and there was a trailer that was released recently that also shows 
a character with a red, uh, like kind of cyborg or mechno arm. Uh, and if that lends any credit to being similar to a character in Legends, that would be Boba's estranged daughter. And so maybe we're going to be getting some form of Boba has a family mm -hmm. and that he's he knows about this family potentially at this point and that is what's changed his ethos and why he's acting in a different way i'm expecting some form of reason he he even has fennec he is fennec is somebody who is uh, uh he's not just a lone wolf anymore he's got a friend right uh now it is his employee and it's a life debt sort of um but it appears like they're on fairly good terms uh, and so that is something as well that seems a little different now. The rest now, the sparing the the child Tuscan was around Return of the Jedi time. So maybe Boba has learned information prior to that. But I think we're going to get more from that. And I think people expecting those kind of reveals in a pilot are expecting way too much. Absolutely. And by the way, this this Omega reveal is really important. And it seems to me that they're going to have to. Uh, illustrate it again because there is a huge majority of viewers who will never come to that information because they'll never watch the bad batch but they will watch book of boba fett and so they're going to have to tell the omega story differently perhaps but yet again in book of boba fett and that'd be really exciting i'm kind of interested in the idea of the clone army having custody over this perfect clone this female clone of Jango fett but she's not like a member of the clone army because she's singular i mean other than her twin brother um so i i don't know anything about her childhood other than what i saw in the pilot i guess of of bad batch yes. but there's something but previous to that that is obviously an interesting story too absolutely now her custody is now with the bad batch from what we know uh and the people who were protecting her and the people who wanted her for malicious reasons uh, are either are, are dead uh, within the Kaminoans. However, there are some people, some Kaminoans who are still working with the Empire uh, and the Empire and said those Kaminoans would certainly like Omega. So we don't know what Omega's fate is going to be, but it lends further credit to the fact that Boba may have some reason to soften up. And you're right, they are likely to tell that story. Now, there's a decent chance the Book of Boba Fett is also going to be a multi-season show. Yeah. So I believe it actually will from, from what rumors tend to be and everything seems to point out that it's season one. Uh, and so I'm kind of expecting that, that if that's the case, that a storyline like that would definitely be a season two thing. There's also an old Star Wars tradition of your lead character realizing he has a twin sister living under his nose and that kind of recalibrating mm. how he goes about his hero's journey. Ah, look at that. Mm. Star Wars, it rhymes. It's, it it's tends awesome. to rhyme. So Tuscans are great in this episode, by the way. They're kind of like different yes. looking from other Tuscans we've seen. They have like a regal kind of garb, these like black robes and... Um, yep. They have this watchdog, which is that a familiar creature? The thing that yep. kind of follows it's them a, around? It's, yeah, it's a massive. Uh, they're in uh, Attack of the Clones yeah. uh, and they were in Mando as well. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They're, yeah, that, that's a, a a nice little nod. Uh, and they, they're very much just like dogs and even have like the, the young Tuscan. It's like a boy and his dog. Right. Um, now, Boba is their prisoner on two different occasions in this episode because he is captured by them and then he breaks free and then they recapture him he's physically bested a number of times in this episode he is and it shows that he is going to become a likely adopted into this culture more yeah and 
it appears that they teach him quite a bit about hand-to-hand combat and your ability to succeed without the armor. Uh, and so it appears as though he's been relying on that armor quite a bit. And the new Boba that we have is much wiser and just much more skilled. Yeah. In a, and that's, that is a really interesting angle. I don't like him being bested so easily, but at the same time, he's pretty weak under these circumstances too. He's dehydrated. Uh, so that's and not really fair. Yeah. yeah. He's like probably got some poison in his lungs still at this point. Yeah, he's had no Bacta and his skin is like rotting looking. And so it makes complete sense that he would get his ass kicked in a, also a duel of sticks. Yeah, that is the last thing that he would ever use. He's a gunslinger first and foremost. And so like or also a flamethrower user as well. Uh, but definitely and also no jetpack. He doesn't have any of the tools. The, like that's the thing is Boba is a Swiss army knife. Yes. And uh, we're going to learn how he becomes a club uh, that he can just beat people with. The digging for water thing is really interesting. Like this is kind of like part of yeah. his, his prisonership is that he just has to like dig with his hands. And obviously we know that there is the farming of moisture on Tatooine, but like that you can just like dig down in the sand and like maybe find a little pocket of water is kind of a new concept. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, re- I looked it up cause I, I had never seen this before or I didn't know it was a thing. And I, it doesn't appear to have been a thing in star Wars until this episode. Mm. Uh, so that is quite interesting because it seems like a significantly better way to get water than to farm to moisture <laughs> farm. Uh, cause there's, none in the air uh, and they do seem to get quite a few every once in a while but you never know so while Uh, they're digging for water one of the other prisoners uh comes across this like scaly what appears to be a fossil at first and he uncovers a little more of it and then it turns out to be the claw of a living beast that bursts through the sand it has four arms and two legs it's uh like 30 feet tall and frankly one of my favorite star wars creatures in many years i just thought it was so so cool do you know what this creature is no it's uh it's brand new it's like a centaur of yeah, some kind i love it uh it is really really awesome yeah i it didn't uh it i, I don't think it's been named yet in star wars canon i'm sure it'll be named pretty quick yeah uh but it is bloody cool it's got yeah maybe four legs two arms or four arms two legs i don't really know uh but it's got a a very rancorish vibe but it it's very it's it's extremely tatooinian yeah because it's like a rancor and like a crate dragon i thought it was going to be a baby crate dragon Mm, um but that would have been a little too we've already seen that i was i was happy it was something new um we saw a Rancor come again in, in Bad Batch. That was in one of the episodes uh, as well. We saw uh, Jabba getting one of his many Rancors because Jabba had a handful of Rancors, apparently. Uh, and so I'm expecting we're going to see things like that. Uh, it was cool to see him kind of wrangle it with a chain uh, and strangle it in that regard. It was a, a, a new way of taking down a beast as well. Um, just overall, it was a, a cool sequence and uh, I take thought it was a worthy cap off uh, to the end of the episode to show that Boba's a badass. It still does show quite a bit of badassery oh, yeah. and that he's learning to work with his hands and find the tools that are around him, be a little bit more of a MacGyver as opposed to like I said before, a Swiss army knife. Right, and I guess the two timelines of this episode 
uh, really strike a dichotomy of the two new skills he has to learn. One is like physical capability and the other one is diplomacy because now mm. he has this this role of leadership, but cr like criminal leadership within Tatooine, except it's established that there is uh, a connection between the criminal leadership of Tatooine and also the governance of Tatooine because he's visited mm. by the basically the secretary of the local mayor he's expecting a visit from the mayor directly and in fact he's expecting like an offering of cash from the mayor to mm. essentially represent that he is going to kowtow to boba and that's not what he gets he gets this representative of the mayoral office who by the way was kind of like he was maybe my one take back i thought he was interesting but he just talked a little too american to me i don't i don't know what it was but he was a little bit too like uh, feature player on SNL, the way he talked. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you at all. Uh, I felt that it was, it wasn't poorly acted. No, but it just didn't necessarily fit. Didn't strike a tone. Um, yeah, and I also I didn't like the line. Uh, what I'm the crime lord. He's supposed to pay me. Um, yeah. As much as it was kind of uh, funny, yeah, I, I thought it was too on the nose. Expository. Uh, and yeah. so I would agree that. Uh, as much as I like a lot of the humor, uh, especially between Boba and Fennec, I thought it was it was really good. Uh, like the "Yours is shinier than mine" line. Right. Um, I didn't like the the in particular exchange of both the "I'm the crime lord" and the weird kind of humorous tone, Alan Tudyk esque vibe that I got from this guy. Right. Um, it just didn't really fit. It should have been a little bit more sniveling. Yes, it wasn't sniveling. It was just it, too casual. Although I think the scene itself is important. Had it been like executed a little bit differently, I would have no issues with it because I like the concept and I suspect that this is going to continue to be an issue. The fact that mm. he might get respect from from peons, but he's he does not yet have at all the respect of the mayor. And so that's going to be really difficult in him being actually in charge around here. And mm. by the way, like, do we have any predictions about who the mayor is or, or what that is? Because we're going to see this guy at some point. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure the mayor is probably the uh, authorian that we see in the trailer. Okay. Uh, and I think it's uh, the mayor is going to be voiced by uh, might be voiced by Robert Rodriguez. Oh, OK, cool. Uh, I could be I could be wrong on that. Um, the mayor's name um, is Mokshays. Mm, all right. Uh, and so this appears to be the potential um, main antagonist or one of the main antagonists for the show. I'm going to gather uh, is going to be the is this the imperial presence is this a mayor like how has this mayor come to power the huts rule and so what right. is this power is like is it false power in in the past it has been because the mayor has been paying tributes to said crime lords in charge and so what is this mayor done this mayor does not seem like uh, a very uh, above board mayor. And also I've clued in, I think that uh, the major domo uh, who we were talking with the secretary uh, shouldn't have been a Twi'lek. I think that was part of the reason that it was just too casual for a Twi'lek. Yeah. Twi'lek are supposed to speak French or you're going to have like a weird voice like uh, Bib Fortuna where it's, he speaks in Hatiz most of the time. Um, it just, it was too, uh, 
American for a Twi'lek. And yeah, too casual. So it could have been a a human and it maybe would have worked. Right. So it's really interesting. Yeah, we have to learn more about what the dynamic is here. And if it's like this mayor just deciding now that he's going to rise to power, because it's like well established in gangster content that even though the crime boss is really in charge, there still has to be somebody behind an oak desk who appears to be in charge and is in fact just Mm. a puppet of the crime syndicate. Like, it's not hard to believe that that exists on Tatooine. But what happened between Jabba and Boba? Well, Bib Fortuna did, but like, did this guy kowtow to Bib Fortuna but not Boba Fett? No, that's likely the point. Yeah. that's It's likely a matter of Bib allowed him to come in and set up shop in hut territory. And so Boba's like, wait a minute, this is, we've all, it's always been run by the huts and I take over the huts. And the one time I take over the huts, it was because I had to take it over from Bib fucking Fortuna. <laughs> and he's, oh God damn it. Like that would be, yeah, that'd be frustrating under Boba's circumstances, but that's likely the circumstance that we've get, we've been given here. And also who comes in to kind of kick their ass a little bit, uh, although they are able to capture one of those people. Is that someone who was sent by the mayor? Or I think is, probably, I think there's probably a connection there. A decent chance. Yeah. Decent chance. It's also Crimson Dawn though, to me. Oh, they are all red and quite official. They are looking. all red. Yeah. And Crimson Dawn plays a huge role uh, in the Boba Fett comic arc um, or the War of the Bounty Hunters comic arc that takes place between episode four and sorry, episode five and episode six. uh, And in terms of transporting Han Solo's carbonite. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think I saw on Reddit, I I didn't spend much time on Reddit, uh, but I did think, uh, but someone seemed to think uh, that uh, Crimson Dawn cues from Dryden Voss's yacht music cues were used in that sequence. But Dryden Voss is dead at, at this point. This is many years beyond the Crimson Dawn that we've previously seen. True, but just in terms of cues that were clearly Crimson Dawn music cues, like to just like Crimson Dawn like theme, people said was repeated in that fight sequence. Okay. Maybe that's bullshit, but I didn't have a chance to verify it. Uh, but it did seem Crimson Dawny to me. And, uh, if that's the case, then that would make a lot of sense as they're still around at this time. And it would also make sense. You can bring in Amelia Clark. I was going to say that's Kira. That's older Kira. Yeah. You can just age her up a bit. Yeah. And uh, she becomes the new baddie of the show. I'm down. And that makes I'm complete so sense. Yes. And that totally works. What about uh, Fennec? How do we feel about her in this first episode? She's very much Love like her. she is in Mando. Like, she's a badass, but she doesn't have a lot of dimensionality yet. I'd really like a little bit more Fennec backstory. Yeah, I think we're going to get it. Uh, and I think I just am overall, I like the quippiness uh, along with the badassery yeah. uh, and the incredible believability of the badassery. Definitely. Uh, just in terms of the two of them are it doesn't seem ridiculous for them to take down six people um, at all. Uh, And in order to be like as badass as they are, they really need to project a lot. And someone like Fennec is a new character next to Boba Fett. Mm -hmm. This is like, that's, it's hard to be somebody who can project that same level of badassery along somebody who's been known as a badass for 40 plus years. Right. And so that's really, really important. And I think Fennec lives up to that, 
along with good fun quips. And so that's what's made me happy so far. I agree, though, if at the end of this season, there's not any kind of backstory or a little bit more understanding, I will feel disappointed that it's like, okay, don't create another Boba Fett by giving like this kind of cool shell of a character without uh, a little bit of kind of meat under there. But Fennec has a life debt to uh, Boba. And I think we'll likely learn more about that. And and I think that that will maybe endear us more to her. And she also, we do learn about her a bit more in Bad Batch and that she does have a soft, uh, just an inherent softer nature Mm. than some of the scum of the underworld. But if the basis of her relationship with Boba, even if they're friendly at this point, like if the basis is a life debt, like she might turn on him at some point and that might be a new motivation for her because right now she's just like this person who like does whatever Boba needs. And yes, she's, she's charming and she's a badass, but we don't really know what motivates her. And so it could be interesting if that's what restores his lone status. I don't think that's going to happen. No, that's interesting. Yeah, no, that is, that would be very interesting if it turned out that in the end, because I mean, uh, Fennec does try, like, uh, Omega doesn't realize it in Bad Batch, but Fennec tries to help her. Mm. Uh, and so in that way, um, or doesn't, tries to kidnap her, but also try, is trying to help her at the same time. Um, so I don't necessarily think that Fennec is going to turn on Boba. I think Fennec maybe has more of a connection in that regard, just as an overall, has a reason to want to work with Boba. Um, but it would be really interesting if it turns out that there are, or maybe that Boba's uh, family, familial relationships are extremely like, strained uh, and uh, Fennec has allegiance to maybe other members of uh, the Fett family yeah. um, uh, over Boba. Maybe something like that can be interesting. Who knows? But that is maybe uh, the kind of twist that uh, could, like, y- there's going to be some very, it's, it can't be a completely predictable series. It was a predictable first episode, which I was okay with. Uh, but something like that would be an interesting twist. Absolutely. And it was a predictable first episode because, as you mentioned before, a lot of what we got from the trailer is in this episode. Star Wars is really good for that. That, like, they'll, you'll think that you're being revealed too much. And actually, they... Like, a good example is, gee, what, what does his helmet landing in the sand and spilling out a bunch of gold coins mean? Well, it actually means nothing. That was just, like, a gift that the town gave him. And then he had to put his, his helmet down while he fought some bad guys. Like, it, mm-hmm. it, it... That's the best kind of trailer tease. Something that can completely divert your expectations. And there are some more things in the trailers we've yet to see. Like, the council meeting where he kind of brings in all the different bad guys and tries to establish an authority again. That'll probably be episode two. Um, but I do not feel, I, can imagine. I don't feel like I have a lot of predictions for the story going forward, which is what you hope for. Exactly. I think you're completely right. I think that will be the start of the next episode. And I think that will pretty quickly leave us with, okay, where's this going now? Yeah. And, uh, there it's about building an empire, um, not the empire, but building a new kind of empire. And I'm really excited to see. Uh, the way it, it's it's going to go. I think it was a good start. I I, I really want a second episode because yeah. I, I I do feel like okay, I, that's what I expected. Um, but I'm okay. Obviously, I that's what I, I'm happy about the format of once a week. So 
uh, it'll wake me up. My internal clock will get me up at 4 a.m. again next week, and it'll be a, a good follow-up. And I'm yeah, I'm excited. Seven episodes, and that is going to be six more where... I mean, five of those six, I have no idea what's going to happen in them. So that's pretty cool. So seven episodes takes us almost all the way through February. And then we're just a couple of months away from Obi-Wan? We don't know for sure. But there seems to be a lot of rumor that Obi-Wan will be in May and that Andor will be in August, September. Yeah. Uh, and so that would align quite well to uh, then also beginning Mando season in December, probably. And by the way, so would, can I just say, like, how great is it to have new Star Wars at Christmas again? It's been a couple years since we've had that, and it's it's just, it fits. It's just what I want. I know it was only established cool. in 2015, but, like, now my my body yearns for new Star Wars at the holidays. Yeah, well, we did have it last year with Mando, although yep. it, uh, I guess Mando it was... ended then. Fin finishing up around yeah. Christmas, yeah. Um, so it definitely does feel good, especially because January is a crummy, like you want a good show this time of year. And so this will be uh, a lot of fun to get excited about these next uh, coming months. Uh, and I think the, I think the first episode was, it was a good start. And so I'm, I'm certainly okay with that. Me too. Um, any other kind of things that stood out to you that you wanted to talk about? No, I think we, we really hit on all the main points. I don't have any like quotes written down, um, I think I like they're they're struggling to one that stands out to me is they're struggling to make out some of the foreign language because they don't yet have a protocol droid as like one of their <laughs> servants in the palace. And so they're getting these visitations from like local people who are going to be subordinate to them. And Boba says, did you catch any of that? And Fennec says something about friendship. And I thought that's kind of a funny name for this episode of the podcast. Maybe there's something about friendship because like obviously it's not a very friendly dynamic either one where Boba is is trying to mm. reestablish himself, but he does have a friend. And at the, the end of the day, that's kind of what he needs in order to be the Boba Fett that he aspires to be. That's true. Allies. That's a point. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. Um, I like the lines, uh, may you never leave Mos Espa. Mm -hmm. uh, even when a Trandoshan pays you a compliment, it sounds like a threat. Yes, I knew you'd pick um, up on that one. That's a very Star Warsy line. Yeah, oh, that's a great line, yeah. yeah. Uh, Lord Fett offers the gift of your leave unmolested. Mm. Uh, I thought that was just in general an extremely Star Warsy, powerful um, FU line delivered by Fennec. So I thought that was really good. And also calling him Lord Fett. I thought yeah. that was cool. Lord Fett is, yeah, that's, I mean, I guess we called him Lord Jabba, didn't we? Um, he Jabba was called a lot of things. Yeah. Um, By Han <laughs> and Luke. Yes. And Luke and 3PO. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jabba gets called everything. Um, Fennec line of yours is shinier than mine. Right. I thought that was funny. And I, I did like the Jabba ruled with fear. I intend to rule with respect quite a bit. Um, so those what were does, all good lines. What is the line where they're walking into town and Fennec says to Boba uh, something to the effect of, if you want them to respect you, you're going to have to learn to do things their way. And then he parrots it back to her when he agrees to hand over yes. his helmet for, for servicing. Yes, I didn't get, I didn't uh, get to writing that one down yeah. uh, in my, in my rewatch, but that was good in terms of um, kind of forming to the way that they do things. Right. Uh, as opposed to kind of being carried in as what they, everyone was expecting. 
Uh, yeah, that, so was, that was that was good. We didn't talk about that. That it's it's considered a break of tradition that while he walks through town, he's not being paraded through town. I mean, mm. obviously, like Jabba was a fat slob, so it's and he was so vain, so it's not surprising that like he would have been like carried uh, on on like this kind of elevation. But Bo was too proud for that, and he also he's he yeah, I guess he's proud, but he also doesn't want to be. Um, praised necessarily which i think is probably a virtue of his he's not just like wanting power for power's sake uh, or vanity he wants to have earned it and so walking is kind mm-hmm. of symbolic of that yeah he's willing blue he collar roots yeah he doesn't need praise he, he needs respect yeah. and he's willing to offer that in exchange for kind of showing it himself yeah um i also uh in general, just uh, about the episode, was a big fan of uh, one particular shot of Jabba's palace. It was, I think, a direct recreation of Macquarie art. Uh, And so it was just really cool to see it fully exact. It almost looked like the artwork. Yeah, Uh, it just it became the page. Uh, on screen and so that was really cool it got me excited because it was in the first couple seconds speaking of bringing uh, back obviously- speaking of bringing back old images there uh, it was really gratifying when they show a flashback to like boy Boba Fett picking up the helmet yeah. of, of Jango Fett once again which of course we've seen before but there was a split second where they do a wide shot of him holding the helmet and I thought for a second they were going to extend the scene because you can't really see the actor anymore and it was just kind of his his outline and I'm like oh they definitely could like show him like at least pick up the helmet and walk out of the shot or something like just to make it a little longer. And they could have done that. That would have been awesome. Yeah. That would have been awesome. Yeah. That would have been. Or like we said, when we watched the episode, if the head fell out, (laughs) I've always always found that kind of, I can't watch that scene without thinking, where's the head? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, No, he, he wears this like turtleneck thing that would have kept it in place. Hey, interesting by the way, that his father was, decapitated and he decapitates the enemy in this episode now it's like it's a beast but like mm. it's not a thing you see a ton of in star wars decapitation but it, it has now happened with boba fett a few times that is true actually uh and disintegrations were more his thing in uh or according to to vader uh so that that one yeah that is a great point i wonder if decapitation is going to be a bit of a thing we'll have to keep an eye on that maybe uh i'm very intrigued to see more tie backs ties back to attack of the clone mm. that could be extremely interesting yeah there is a lot to farm there um and so i mean i don't know if i don't think you can recreate anything of him that young you can't recast you can, the boy can you no no you can do stuff though where you're intentionally setting the the time frame for him to be really young as long as you just put him in like there was a point in time he's supposed to start wearing his father's armor at a pretty young age Mm -hmm. uh, at the end of the clone wars and so he's only at that point like 13 and so you can still put him in the armor and that, oh, get yeah. away with and great. have him as like a 15 year old Boba Fett. It's if too you need big to. for him a little bit. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, and then it doesn't matter who the hell you, you cast and you can, 
like who you, you can do who use whoever for the voice. Yeah. You can modulate Tamora Morrison. You can get Daniel Logan back. You can do whatever you want. It's a real gift that they have in the making of this show. And I think they should take advantage of it as much as they can because they intend to make a multi-timeline series with Book of Boba Fett. That's why it's called mm. The Book of Boba Fett because it's like it's a full story. Um, yeah, the fact so that, that means, this character, like oh, for, you know for, that so, for so much of this character's lore, he didn't have uh, a fleshy face. Just like put the helmet on him and and give us the full friggin' lifespan. I think that's great. You just said it right there. Really? He is, he is going to die. Yeah, maybe. I know. The I book was, of Boba Fett. I was thinking about that earlier too, and I don't. I always have like a split uh, a split feeling about when a, a character's death is retconned and then they do it differently. But they effectively did it with with Darth Maul. So yeah, maybe they can give him a new death that's more final than the original mm. Boba death. Yeah, it just, I've got a feeling that, I mean, it, it, obviously, if it looks like it's going to be multiple seasons, it's going to be a good death, mm. and he's going to be the protagonist, so it's got to be a really good death. Yeah, a heroic but death, yeah. if it's going to be the book of Boba Fett, and it's going to be all the chapter, it just makes too much sense to not kill yeah. him at the end. A book has even, an end. E- even if you do, um, Godfather Part 3. Yeah, yeah, maybe. There's no, there's no reason. There's no reason. He just you dies of old age. Show, yeah. If we're doing multiple timelines, there's no reason you can't jump uh, to old, old Boba Fett and just show like, okay, you based on the last place we saw in the timeline and the the last last place we saw in the timeline. Right. Um. Okay, we can infer what happens in his older years. But we get to see his death, and boom! Therefore, we get to see the whole life well, of Boba Fett. Let's look at other. They crime, can do that. Let's look at other Al Pacino crime movies, um, <laughs> or like other De Niro crime movies, because, like, I don't know if you saw The Irishman, but it is like quite antithetical uh, thematically to Goodfellas, which is essentially about you get into this world, you either die young or you go to jail. It ruins your life young. Uh, the Irishman is about how sometimes you live this life. And you get so old that there's no one left and you're, you realize your existence was was pointless and you're lonely. And it would be really interesting if Boba Fett, it would be sad and maybe a little bit antithetical to the character that they appear to be trying to build under the Disney scope. But it would be interesting if this story was about how Boba Fett got old and he died lonely. Yeah, it absolutely could be that. It could. I mean, that doesn't seem like a, a positive story. I figure there should be some form of lesson in there, even yeah. if it's for us, not for him. Yeah. Um, that's okay. And that would be one of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would need to be a position. And I noticed they positioned Fennec's helmet in the opening sequence. But, uh, so that, like maybe further on, Fennec won't betray Boba, but maybe Boba will betray Fennec. Yeah. Um, and not necessarily betray Fennec, but betray um, values that they both kind of thought they were going to live by or something. Maybe right. Boba. And, and so maybe it, it we're left with uh, a bit of a sour taste about Boba, but we're, we, we, we learn. It could be similar to kind of the way of Ahsoka's departure from the Jedi Order in the Clone Wars, yeah. where this is our also main character who kind of usurps our other main characters who we already knew um, as the moral like one or the moral one. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that could be that could be the angle they're going for, but over uh, time remains to be seen. She might think that they have a good thing going, and he never really comes to see it that way. You know, like like yeah. she might think that over time they grow to be equals, and he's like, well, no, we're not equals, and that that's what divides them. Yeah, that could absolutely be it. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and then that could be part of what. Uh, he realizes he, he never learned right. But I think, I think family is going to play a role in that. And I think Bob is going to learn some lessons. I think Bob is going to die, but I don't think any of that's going to be happening um, in one season. No. So I think it's going to be a long story. And I'm curious about the main arc of this first season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think this was a good start though. Me too. Any um, other observations about this pilot thoughts about the show going forward? Uh, nothing really. Yeah. Um, just a couple, I guess I have some, I have some trivia if you want to do that. Sure. You want me to not be able to answer your trivia questions? Sure. A couple of them. Okay. Um, at first, how many Tuscans emerged from the sandstorm to rescue Boba? Five. Four. Okay. Nah. How many Banthas escort Boba to the Tuscan camp? Two. Five. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was the name of the Trandoshan leader? Uh, uh, oh, sorry, the Trandoshan family leader, a protector of the city center and its business territories. I don't know. I, I guess I remember them saying that, but I don't know. Doc Strassi. Okay. It also helped, cool. like, I didn't watch this with subtitles, so some of this stuff doesn't retain. Oh, uh, that's fair. I watch everything with subtitles, so that makes it worse. I will in round um, two. Doc Strassi calls Boba the new what? I don't know. I, I'm not going to know any of these. I didn't know what this word what this word means. Uh, a daimyo. Okay. Um, so they were feudal lords mm-hmm. of powerful warrior bands. All right, but that's so, not that's not a Star Wars word. That's like a an our world word. Yeah. So it just I think it, it's it's a, a word and um, it's a, a Japanese word. Gotcha. Great. And so yeah. Uh, so that's kind of cool. And also this is I'll, I'll just tell you this one. But the droid who was presenting them uh, like who is presenting all of the people who are paying their tributes is 8D8. I like that droid. Uh, and so, yeah, he's the droid who's torturing droids in Return of the Jedi. Oh. So the gonk droid that's like, ah, yes, and is being branded. He's the one who's like pulling the lever to brand him. He's the very same one because he appears to just be a pencil pusher in this episode. Yep, he's the very same droid. He's part of Jabba's staff and uh, he, re- he remains around. So like EV99, who was the droid in charge, is the one who he actually he's the uh, bartender at the cantina right and so they they all kind of d- disperse but they're they're definitely keeping those consistent and there's also there's a droid that uh, is an rx series pilot droid that was seen and so there's a decent chance that that same droid because uh, that droid was in the club uh there's a decent chance that that's the same droid that's at galaxy's edge Oh, cool. Um, it's like a DJ. And so that's kind of cool. And do you think they're going to get a protocol droid? Because he kind of hinted at that. And thus far, there isn't a droid character in the show, which is an absolute essential in Star Wars stuff. Well, there's 8D8. And I would be totally okay if 8D8 became a mainstay. Which one is that? Uh, to have 8D8's that like white pencil head looking droid, the one that used to be the torturer. Okay, gotcha. Um, I'd be okay to have something that is like such an extreme background character, yep. but one that is like, is, is known uh, like amongst like big canon nerds that became a character. It, it would be like if like the way IG-88 and IG-11, but even more, like, like even a level down from that of like an extremely obscure kind of character. So I think Very. that would be cool. 
Uh, but you're right. There does need to be one. And so uh, it would be, oh my God, it would be funny if they had little job interviews and then 88 applies for the job. Yeah. And it's just like, well, you know, I think I've learned from my time here that I think, and I'm, I have a programming chip that allows me, <laughs> I don't have 6 million languages, but I have about 1.5 million languages. And I think based on the species that come, <laughs> it could be kind of funny to have something that's a little bit of like a, like it's about cr- a crime family. And so right. they're hiring things. I, I could see a, an interview process for the way that they build their team. Like they do in a lot of heist movies and whatnot. Right. That would um, be funny. It's like, Oh, what do you think you could bring to the team sort of stuff? Uh, but in a star Wars way, that's not, uh, not cheesy. Yes. Although do we want this to be such an ensemble as like even Mandalorian turned out to be like a, like a, a team show. And I guess that was the point is that we were kind of training him away from his loneliness, but like, it is kind of implicit to Boba Fett that he remains something of a lone gunman, even if he has a right hand man. So like, maybe we don't want him to have like, yeah, we don't want him to have like a big crew like Woody Harrelson has in solo. No, no, no. Yeah. These are his underlings. Nobody is going to be an equal and even Fennec isn't. And like you said, that could be something that could come between them over time. Uh, she didn't seem too bothered, though, uh, by his significantly shinier helmet uh, in terms of having a bunch of uh, doubloons in it. But uh, it, uh, it could come between them over time. Um, but I think he could also just have a significant paranoia mm-hmm. that won't allow him to be happy that could get to under her skin sort of thing. Well, he's clearly harboring like a great pain and grudge that goes as far back as his dad. And so that's going to continue to show itself. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I guess that's it for our Book of Boba Fett conversation number one. Do you want to talk about anything in the news? We haven't done a podcast in like a month, so surely there's things to discuss. There certainly are. Uh, We were going to do a podcast and we certainly will still do it. uh, Just kind of talking about uh, Star Wars video games and whatnot since the announce of uh, Star Wars Eclipse. Uh, Looks like a very cool game, uh, but unfortunately done by some pretty terrible people. Um, A significant amount of information about uh, racism and sexism um, and uh, just some bad stuff that you do like like photoshopping employees and compromising things like oh. Nazi uniforms and swimsuits um, and uh, I'm sure other things. So uh, yeah. And uh, it just seems like star Wars uh, do your fucking homework and don't work with a studio like that and let them use your IP because everyone got so goddamn excited. And now nobody with a con like it's it's like how can you have a conscience of and want to play this game and like i want to but i i i won't want to i won't support the company no. that it sounds like just an absolute uh horrendous horrendous uh, studio but also apparently there are a lot of rumors behind the scenes that they're having huge huge staffing issues mm because nobody wants to work there because it's such a toxic workplace. So my guess is that this game will never see the light of day. Okay. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to bet. I bet money that uh, this story will find its way through another medium. And uh, then they'll, they'll do another, they've done another, they've had enough games on the way and star Wars has canceled enough games in the past that I can't foresee this one going forward but even with a full trailer you think that'll happen yeah 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 uh i mean some people think that the trailer was done uh to get the company purchased Ah. 
Um, and if that's the case and the guys who run it get fired and they change everything over and Star Wars is part of what gets them purchased, but part of what gets them on the right track, then yeah, that could change my mind. If a company completely eliminates the toxicity, but it sounds like it's run by those people. So yeah. TBD on all that. And uh, unfortunately now TBD on any of my excitement for it, but uh, it doesn't uh, hamper any of my excitement and all the other things that are going on. Uh, lots of uh, casting news kind of going on in, in Ahsoka and stuff for the Acolyte. Um, small uh, kind of like uh, Maya Erskine has a small role in Obi-Wan and talked about that. So Deborah Chow's amazing. Um, and O'Shea Jackson Jr. talked about it's the, most, the best job he's ever had. Uh, and so, so many things to be excited about. Uh, Stellan Skarsgård uh, talking about the writing in Andor being magnificent. Awesome. And so all of the things that are uh, coming out uh, television wise uh, seem to be going well and uh, are nothing uh, but cause for excitement. So right. uh, although that annoying news with a, a, the Eclipse video game, which does look very cool if, if they can um, maybe get it done by a different studio or uh, if the, the studio were to have some massive, massive changes, um, but lots to be hyped about other than that. So that's yeah. really cool. Yeah, that's fantastic. Great. Uh, yeah, I think we'll, uh, we'll find, I mean, certainly next week, there will probably be some more things in the news, uh, maybe some more uh, Boba Fett uh, news that will be, or kind of information about what will come in the following episodes we might get from the next episode. So uh, until then, uh, I think that's uh, all that's in the Star Wars world. We'll just leave it there. I don't have my birthday calendar with me, and so we'll do a big birthday roundup for the last month of 2021 uh, when we return for our podcast next week. And in the meantime, uh, please send along your thoughts on this pilot episode of The Book of Boba Fett. Obviously, I, in fact, I, I think I'm, I'm comfortable saying that so far it's polarizing among Star Wars fans. And I mean, uh, that's not uncommon for for yeah. any Star Wars content under the mouse. Is that fair to say? Like, it's all going to be polarizing from here on? Uh, probably. However, Mando seems to have such overwhelming positivity. And I did see a poll recently about what's your favorite Star Wars uh, Disney property, and it was overwhelming. 80% said Rogue One. Oh, it was Wild. favorite movie, sorry. So it didn't yeah. have Mando in the poll listing. Um, but that that's one that does seem to not have a, uh, too much polarization 80%. on it. 80%. So, 80% with the second highest one being like 6%, which was Force Awakens. And yeah. so uh, it just goes to show you that that one does seem to have some consistency of love. Uh, Mando does too. And I'm hoping Boba Fett, uh, if it doesn't at the moment, uh, gets uh, some consistency of love over the next few episodes. And I think it will. I think this is just a matter of expectations versus uh, what you should have expected. Yeah, just try to remember that pilot episodes uh, are not here to satisfy all your cravings. Otherwise, there would never be a second episode. And so uh, by next Wednesday, we'll be able to talk about episode two of The Book of Boba Fett. In the meantime, send along your thoughts. You can tweet us at Recorder66, or you can email Recorder66podcast at gmail.com. Uh, as always, rate and review on your preferred podcast app. And if you're joining us on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe. And until we are together again, may the force be with you.